Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Messi, oh, Magnussen in at the back, it's a penalty. Shimon Marciniak did not hesitate. Messi is denied! Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi, denied from the spot by Hannes Haldorsen. Hello, Ramblers. Andy here, and welcome to the latest Ramble Meets, where my guest today is Hannes Holderson, the former Icelandic goalkeeper. I say former, he's only very recently retired, but he's just got such a fascinating backstory. You might know him just as the goalkeeper from the Icelandic team that got to Euro 2016, breaking England's hearts, and then to the World Cup in 2018 in Russia, where he saved that penalty from Leo Messi. But there's so much in between, and there's the fact that he didn't become a professional footballer until he was nearly 30 years old. And now, of course, he's a film director. He's got a fantastic new film out called Cop Secret, which he'll be telling us about as well. It's such a varied and interesting tale. Do stay with us for it. This is Ramble Meets, Hannes Holderson. So, Hannes, tell us about Cop Secret, because this is an idea that was in gestation for for quite a while, wasn't it? Because I guess a lot of people listening to this won't realise that you've actually been a filmmaker for a pretty long time. Yeah, that's right. Um, I became a professional football player at uh, 29, 30 years old, which is uh, very unconventional um, for a football player. And uh, while... Uh, <clears throat> While I was playing in Iceland as a semi-professional from 21 to until 30 years old, I also I was working on the side as a as a filmmaker or, or a commercial director. Um, so yes, I I, I have um, I mean I, I have quite uh, quite some experience uh, as a, as a filmmaker. And back in 2012, 13, we uh, me and this group behind this movie. We sat we sat down and started uh, started writing uh, a, a script uh, after having made a kind of a spoof comedy trailer for a, for a comedy show they had and um, there was some interest in seeing the whole movie so we started writing it about ten years ago and it, then I became a professional football player and and we had to put it on the shelf for six years <laughs> and I never thought it was going to happen but when I moved back to Iceland. Um, Three years ago, 2019, we, we we started talking about it again and we, we decided to see if it would be possible to make it. So the idea of you writing it, that came just before the Greta Salome Eurovision video in 2012 or, or, or just after? How did that work? It was around the same time, uh, around tw- 2012. 
we made this trailer. They they had uh, as I as I said before, they had this comedy show every Friday. Uh, the main actor in the movie and um, and his friend who also stars in the movie, his partner, and uh, they decided to have a trailer competition where uh, they they were competing against each other. Odin called me, and we made this trailer about this super cup who was uh, in denial about this. Uh, yeah, about his emotions, and um, and they made another one, and we crushed them, and, and people thought it was funny. So yeah, that was about that time, 2012, um, and and that's also when I was I was a dire- director at uh, Saga Film, which is uh, which is I think the oldest production company in Iceland, and one of the most established ones. And I was directing commercials uh, mostly at the time, but uh, I I made that uh, com- uh, music video, which until now has been my kind of. <laughs> only thing that i've been recognized for every time i did an interview i was always asked about that uh, music video even though it wasn't a big thing back in the day to make it was fun to make and all that but that was that's kind of the thing that you know was always brought up when i was interviewed about my filmmaking career but i I mean i i did commercials most of the time so around that time when you've done the greta salome eurovision video and when you're writing this script what are your feelings towards football? Is it is it just a bit of fun, or is there an aim to reach a certain level, or how are you looking at it? Um, it's a it's quite a long story if we are going to go into my uh, my strange football career. But uh, at that time, I was actually starting to to gain some momentum in my football career. Uh, in two thousand eleven, I I managed to. Um, sign a contract with uh, KR, which is um, probably the most established club in Iceland and, and and the biggest one, some say, you know, it's won the most titles and all that. Um, so that was a, a huge step for me because um, four years before that, I was playing in uh, one of the lowest leagues in Iceland and uh, I, I wasn't a football player at all. I, I didn't play any football from 14 to 19 years old. I was a decent goalkeeper when I was young but then I got injured my shoulder kept dislocating after a snowboard incident at 14 and I I, I missed out all my like development years uh, you know I didn't play one uh, youth national team game and I started playing football again at 20 after I you know after I had a surgery on my shoulder so I had to start from scratch from the bottom in the Icelandic league system uh, so I started in the third highest division and uh, managed to work myself up to uh, the Premier League in three years and I, I, I didn't have any big plans. I was just going to see with how long it would take me. I, I, I decided to quit football at 20 but then I had some fire still burning in me and I decided I'm going to give it one last go and see how far it's going to take me. So uh, and just, things just kept rolling, and on both sides, you know, football kept uh, growing. I, I was all of a sudden I was playing in the Premier League, and and at the same time I was making commercials for bigger and bigger bigger companies. And at that time, 2011, I signed this contract with KR, and I had uh, the season uh, of dreams, you can say. I mean, we won the league and the cup, and I was voted the the best player of the season of you know the like the player of the season and uh, I was chosen for the national team and that was right before Lars Lagerbach came on as uh, the national team coach he was the guy who changed everything for for Icelandic football so I managed Mm -hmm. to play one game with the national team right before he came and we kept a clean sheet and I played a good game so I, I, I was really lucky in the way things kind of lined up 
Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, at that time I was feeling that maybe I can go somewhere with, with football. So we'll come back to Lagerbeck and the, the national team. But at that point where you make your Iceland debut, you're what, 27, I guess? 28. And, and you're, you're not mm-hmm. 28. And you're not a pro at that point, no. are you? So, I mean, how does that work? If you're talking about at that point, you're doing pretty well in the Icelandic Premier League. Are there a lot of players, I guess, people will want to know listening to this um, in Icelandic football who have other jobs like like you how how many guys are professional there um the league is is technically semi-professional but it's very serious um i mean some some of the clubs or many of the clubs now are paying you know similar salaries as uh, the scandinavian leagues uh, which are fully professional but um the step hasn't been taken so it's still considered sem- semi-professional and most of the teams they they train at the afternoon like four or five in the afternoon so many of the players have uh, some kind of a job or are you know studying or something like that but it's become a serious business and people get paid quite you know well in in our standards so but back in that day um Almost everybody had something on the side. I mean, it's it's well known that the, the coach of the national team was also a dentist, and uh, I think we have this mm. we have this image of having like multiple uh, talents. I think actually it's a result of us being so few. We have to somehow um, make things happen with the with the amount of people we have. We have to have radio stations, TV stations, hospitals, you know, parliament. Uh, newspapers all that stuff we have to somehow squeeze it out of the this tiny population so people are versatile um yeah but yeah most most players have have something else on the side i would say so when it got to that point where you decided to go pro i mean was was that when you went to norway how much of a commitment was that to leave your i don't know your other job behind um i mean at the time things were going really well for me also in the filmmaking business. I was, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, I was a very busy commercial director in Saga Film and I was starting, I I recently made my first uh, kind of international commercial, which is a big step when when you go and make it for Mm -hmm. another country. And uh, uh, there was was buzz around making, you know, bigger projects. And uh, this movie we, we are talking about now, it was also in the pipeline. So... Um, it was a quite a big decision, but I was, but it was an easy one though because I I just felt that, you know, football is something that you have in a certain period in your life, and and I wanted to experience this thing of being a professional football player. You know, just having nothing to do. I had lived like this double life for ten years, and I was really getting exhausted. Also, it was getting too much, and I felt that if I wouldn't have become a professional football player at the time, and then I was like. I, it couldn't have been any later. I was 29, turning 30, and I think if I wouldn't have gone at that point, I mean, it would have been too late. So I was really happy that Sandnes Ulv in Norway decided to go for me. A lot of clubs had looked into me, and they always they always asked, like, okay, this guy is playing in the national team and all that, but why is he, like, 30 years old still playing in Iceland and all that? But I, it had its reasons. I mean, I was I had to start from scratch and, and really, I mean, I was 23 or 4 when I played my first game in the Premier League and then I had to start developing as a goalkeeper. So um, so I had a very unconventional 
background and that's why i didn't get you know i didn't manage to i raised interest but i didn't get through the door you know i i made a two-year contract and i honestly thought that was going to be it i was just gonna play that contract see how it goes and move back at 31 and then i uh Sagafil, my employees they said we're just gonna wait for you and just go and get this out of your system and and then your your chair will be will be empty and uh, you can come back. But then things developed in another way and I ended up playing abroad for six years and uh, was a part of this uh, unbelievable journey and, and adventure with uh, the national team. And I ended up playing in four countries in six years. So um, things turned out differently. So yeah, you were in Norway, the Netherlands, Denmark, Azerbaijan with, with Karabakh, mm-hmm. who of course we've, we've seen in European competition in the Champions League and, and Europa League in recent seasons. How did it change your life dedicating everything to to football how much of an adjustment was that it was uh no problem in the beginning i felt like i was on a vacation you know it was it was one training a day and uh, that was just the easiest thing i could imagine after having you know spent my life you know, dividing my time between two very demanding jobs. Um, I mean, filmmaking is very relentless and, and ruthless. You you know, deadlines usually mm-hmm. don't move. You have to, there are lots of factors that you have to take into play. Uh, the weather, um, you know, schedules, other people's schedules, stuff like that. So you have maybe, you have to choose a shooting day and it's not possible to move it. And the games are not moving and you have to have, be really focused and, you know, well rested and all that when you play the games and then you have to yeah you have to really put heart and soul into filmmaking if you're going to do it well and it's pressure and it's a lot of things so i was i was burning out and i just i i really uh welcomed the opportunity to just focus on one thing and i felt it was really easy in the beginning and i i went all in you know as a football player um trained a lot uh, I changed my physical appearance uh, and I was really fit and I, I I played a very good season my first season in in Norway and managed to raise some interest in myself um, so um, I, I just enjoyed it I really loved it I, I it was a small club uh, it was you know very small in, uh, in in the international standard but for me just to to show up on training at 10 o'clock and having nothing else to do and playing at bigger stadiums stuff like that i just loved every second of it and talking of underdog stories you you're playing at bodo glimt for mm-hmm. a while who since have gone on to become the northernmost football yeah. champion in the world ever for two years mm-hmm. in a row such a small remote club is there anything you saw at Bodo Glimt that made you think that they could go to this next level at the time? Not in a million years. And um, I'm so happy for them. I mean, I got to know that club and I, it really has a place in my heart. Uh, it helped me in a crucial stage on my career right before the Euros. And um, and I got to know the people in the, in the club and the town. And uh, I, I just think it's amazing. I mean, when I was there, it was a club which was like going up and down between uh, between uh, leagues, you know, there's mm-hmm. the highest and the second highest, and that's that was kind of its standard. Maybe once in a while they could have a a good season where they would be like close to the top or something, but that was that was their level. And um, for this to happen, I never guessed. I would never have guessed it in a million years. They actually tried. 
they called me almost every year after I played there and, and checked the possibility for me to, to come back. And they did it last, the last time they did it was 2020, before the 2020 season. And right. before that, they had, they had taken the second place. And they were trying to convince me that, to say that, you know, this time we're going for the title. And, and they were calling me like very shortly before the season in Iceland. So I w had my commitments. I didn't have, it was tempting, but it didn't have possibility to go. But they were saying, we're going for the title this year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, you had this fairy tale season last year, second place. Congratulations. That was awesome. But this time you're just, that's never going to happen with Podoglim to to go win the title and then they just crushed the league completely and mm -hmm. then again and they just keep this consistency and they are doing it with players who were young when i was there and i never thought they were like gonna do something to be honest and uh, so i'm just super happy for and and surprised and everything about that you know unbelievable thing i guess the football miracle that everyone's more familiar with <laughs> listening is the Iceland national team getting to Euro 2016, getting to mm -hmm. um, the the uh, 2018 World Cup as well, but that wasn't an overnight success as well. A lot of preparation went into that in terms of the team, in terms of what Lars mm -hmm. Lagerbeck did, in terms of infrastructure, training. From the point where you made your debut for the mm -hmm. Icelandic national team to getting to Euro 2016, what, what changed? How did it develop? When I made my debut, it was 2011, and it was like the, the last moments of the old times, you can say, where mm -hmm. before things changed. Um, and I say this with full respect of everybody who was involved, but, you know, everybody knows that things, you know, changed when we got somebody with, international experience and and you know because things had stayed the same in a certain way with the federation with uh, everything around the with the team and the game i played the debut it was against cyprus at home it was the last game a home game in the in that group and it was the only game we won we had played a bad um a bad qualification and i think there was there were like three four thousand people in the stands we don't have the biggest stadium in the world it takes ten thousand so but it felt half empty and that was the you know that was the the standard back in the day but then Lars came on <clears throat> and he came on exactly at the right time because we had this golden generation of players coming up uh, they had reached the, the euro under 21 championship uh, finals which was the i think the first time we have done that and we we're beating big nations on the way like germany crushing germany and mm -hmm. Uh, I like keeping consistency for a long time, which was what we needed. We always had good players, you know, a few good players like mm -hmm. Idago Johnson and uh, maybe one or two playing in the Premier League, uh, one or two playing in, you know, uh, big leagues. But that's like three, four players in, in a team of 11. That's not enough. You need like seven, eight high-level players if you're going to compete against bigger nations mm -hmm. who all have like, who are all stacked with with quality players and we got this generation of young guys born in 88 89 90 and and they had this consistency this this quality that you know made it possible for us to build a team which was compatible against uh, you know bigger teams and then we got Lagerbach coming in at the right time taking this you know fantastic group of players and molding them and everybody was 
you know, ready to listen to to what he said. And and this was exactly what this group need because they were also like a little bit flamboyant, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that they they knew everything. They had been playing in big leagues for a long time, so they they needed a guy like that. And then you had guys like me and and some of the defenders who are not playing at the same level but we all had something we brought something to the table some kind of you know the the guy in playing in the defense in front of me is the best football brain i've ever known his name is Kaure Outnason he played in the lower leagues in in England yeah and he he just he, he had a way of seeing football like in slow motion he knew everything that was happening why everything happened he just he was like the orchestrator of the defense um not you know, he was never mentioned when you were talking about the big names in the in the in the team, but he was like a really really big part of the the heart and soul of of the team. So we managed to somehow assemble a team which was just fantastic. I mean, we I think we were when at our best we were top twenty fifteen best teams in the world. I mean, we didn't lose at home for six years, I think. So. It was really a good team. It wasn't. It wasn't like luck. We we managed to stay for for four competitions. We were first to second place or third when third was like for qualification spot. So for four competitions, we either qualified or played in the playoffs. I want to mention one thing also because when this happened, people in Iceland were so thirsty and having a good football team because we had been you know mm. poor for such a long time that when it started to to go our way. People just exploded with happiness and support and football enthusiasm. So, so for six years, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this for for like six years or something. Um, the stadium was sold out like in 15 minutes or something, and it was crazy. We we changed this bad football stadium we have into like a fantastic home ground, and uh, there was just energy positive energy in the country uh, the whole way around for six years, like a football frenzy. I, I mean, it's funny you should say that, actually, because at, at Euro 2016, um, I spent a bit of time with Icelandic supporters um, around some of the grounds, and I w- went to a couple of the games. I was I was at the, the, the first game against Portugal in, in, in Saint-Étienne, and I remember how what an incredible amount of Icelandic people there were. I mean, th- they said, what, something like, seven or eight percent of the population was in France. Yeah. It felt though, on by the same token, like everyone knew each other. You'd get talking to to fans and they'd bump into people they knew. I think we bumped into randomly bumped into Goodney Bergson's brother before that game against Portugal. And then we bumped into the mayor of Reykjavik. It felt like this like this real family experience. Is that your experience of it? Absolutely. And I think what you're talking about is a mixture of both us being few. So, yes, I mean, everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. I mean, you, mm. there, you're always one phone call away from uh, anything you, you can say. Uh, and and there were many people uh, in France. And then you also have this feeling of, I mean, being there finally for the first time. People just went there and they, everybody acted like they were friends or family or knew each other. I mean, I've never experienced such harmony in kind of being or, or togetherness or being positive. I mean, there's always people are always fighting. If you think about politics or if you think about whatever, there's always these uh, these clashes. But at this moment, I mean, we were just 
there was nothing but joy. Everybody was on the same boat and, and people were just high on life. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. with a smart reaction stop. It was a great pick-up by Cristiano Ronaldo and a powerful downward header. Oh, what a chance this is for Portugal. How did that first game against Portugal change the expectations within the team? Because obviously you're aiming to go there and, and, and do your best. I mean, Portugal end up winning the tournament, which makes it look even better in retrospect. But mm-hmm. you had quite a busy game in that first game. But... Yeah. Um, you get the Bjarnason equaliser, you get the draw, and speaking to both Portuguese and Icelandic players about it, Portugal were really knocked out of their stride by Iceland. So, how did you guys feel about that, and how did you feel? You, how did that set you up for the rest of the competition? I guess it was a huge point uh, for us, very important. We we had the goal when we went into the tournament that we were going to qualify. I mean, that was definitely right. our our goal. And we thought it was possible. We thought we would have to beat Hungary and then we would have to get a point from one of the other games. Um, and to be honest, I mean, when going into the Portugal game, yes, we had confidence. We had gotten good results for many years against big nations. So we had believe in ourselves, but you always have this other side also like whispering that they could like kill you. You know, you're you're playing at the, the biggest stage you ever played and against Ronaldo, all these players, and they could they could humiliate you if they have have your if, if they have their day, you know? Mm. So you're also afraid of that possibility. And and football is funny because there's such a small difference between being humiliated and getting a fantastic result. I mean, mm. we, we got we got a draw, one-one, amazing. But they had like ten shots or something on the on the goal, and fifteen total, I think, were if you count the ones that didn't hit the target. Mm-hmm. So, but we somehow man, you also make your own luck, and we 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 were good at defending, good at throwing ourselves in front of shots or making the shots difficult so that I would be able to save them. I mean, we really like. In, in every second of every game with our, our hearts and souls. And I also there was also one weapon we had, um, especially playing against big, big nations like Portugal and England. I mean, they had all the pressure in the world on them. They, they just felt like if we don't beat this team, it's going to be such a humiliation. So when they started feeling that it was difficult and they felt that it was okay, it's possible that we might not. I mean, they, they actually can. Do something. I think uh, maybe panic started to to you know kick in a little bit, and it becomes a difficult feeling for for the for the bigger team. 
And of course, you get to the quarterfinal in the end. I've got to ask you, because we're talking to you from London about the England game in Nice. Mm-hmm. How how far is that up there with the biggest games in, in your career? Um, prob- top three, <laughs> I would say. Uh, maybe the biggest one. Um, it's up there with uh, the Argentina game, the first game we play in the World Cup. Um, and maybe the Austria game, the game before when we qualified for the for the game against mm. England, which is which is the craziest experience I've ever had. I mean, we won that game by scoring in the last with the last kick of the game mm. uh, at Stade de France with ten thousand Icelanders at the stands after having defended for thirty minutes, and it's just the um, most unbelievable feeling I've ever had. And then going into the England game, getting this historical result. Um, it's also another thing about that. Iceland had been hoping to get England, you know, in every draw for every qualification for decades. You know, we never right. got England. There's there's lots of interest for English football. Everybody has a team, you know, which they root for. And, uh, you know, everybody is rooting for, or, or a lot, many people are rooting for England, England in every, you know, major tournament. So mm. for us to face England was like a... a, a, a a big, big, um, a lifelong dream, you can say. And so for us to finally do it at that stage, once we had reached our goal, uh, gone through through the group at the Euros, and then we, we face England finally. I, it was just like a dream come true. And I think we went into that game without pressure. You know, we had just gone through the group, which was our goal. And everything after that was just like a bonus and and. Yeah, and while the pressure was on England to to beat us, so I think that was in our favour. You talked about Carrie Arneson reading the game so brilliantly. Got such experience with British football, of course, as you say, in in the lower divisions in England, um, at Aberdeen. Obviously, off the back of that, ended up playing Champions League with with Malmo. Mm-hmm. But in terms of preparing you for playing a British team, how important was he? At that time, we were not. I, I don't think we got too deep into that. We we were we were like a well-oiled machine, me right. and and the defenders. I knew what I was getting into. I knew was I was going to play world-class players like in, you know, like we had done many times before. <clears throat> I also knew that this was not going to be like a typical lower league uh, game in England. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be something other than that. When you have Harry Kane and and those guys, you know, shooting at you. Um, so I I went into the game like every other game, um, just kind of emptying my mind and dealing with every situation as it came. I, I wasn't like setting myself up to a big fight in in, in the corners or st- or something like that. So, but yeah, it wasn't anything special before that game. I think. So fast forward to the World Cup in in, in twenty eighteen in Russia. You talked about Argentina being mm-hmm. up there. Um, this is different because you've qualified for a second successive major tournament. And even though Iceland is a small country, people expect something yeah. of you now. And you personally deliver by delivering the point against Argentina with that penalty save from Leo Messi. So tell us about going into the tournament and tell us about the big moment. Yeah, I think reaching that, the World Cup 
by winning the group, the qualification group, is one of the biggest sporting achievements I can imagine. Mm. Um, we were in the group with uh, Croatia, Turkey, Ukraine, Finland, um, yeah, and Kosovo. And and I mean, Croatia ended up playing in the final in the World Cup and had a fantastic team at the time. Mm. So. It's difficult enough to reach the second place, but that's not enough in the World Cup because if you reach the second place, you're going to be facing another huge opponent opponent in the playoffs, and you're mm-hmm. going to be ranked the lower. You know, so we would always be facing like Italy or uh, I don't know Portugal or something. Mm-hmm. So for us to go and win the the group was actually the best chance, and to manage to do that was unbelievable. So we went into the World Cup a little bit, I think, with the same feeling as with, uh, you know. In the England game, we were there and everything else was a bonus. But we had this pressure. I mean, we had qualified through our group in <clears throat> in the Euros and we had massive belief in ourselves. So we definitely went into the group to, to go through. And it's funny that you mentioned the expectations because, you know, we were playing in the World Cup, which for a normal country would maybe be equivalent of just winning the World Cup or something. Mm. But still, people talked about the World Cup as a disappointment because we didn't go through. You know, we were one goal away from going through Mm. this fantastic group. If we would have scored, it was 1-1 against Croatia, like the last 10 10 minutes, everything had lined up the way we wanted. Argentina was winning against Nigeria and we needed that one goal and we were really hammering Croatia. And if we would have scored that... And I know if it's in butts and all that, but if, I mean, it would have been the biggest sporting achievement in our history, definitely. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, had a had a, a transition and scored 2-1 and we were out of the competition, which was a huge uh, disappointment and wasn't what we had planned. I think the big, biggest disappointment was the Nigeria game where we just, um, we went into it. Yeah, we went into the second half with, a, with our heads not, Right, and we we lost that game two zero. That was the key game for us. Mm. Um, but we still had a chance in the last game, and we were so close, but we didn't manage. Um, we knew that from from the World Cup that the key to qualifying was the first game. To get something out of the first game is is extremely important. So we thought we definitely thought that after you know drawing against Argentina, we were gonna we were gonna do it. I mean, we were sure we were gonna do it. Mm. Um, because that was like that was the long shot to to get something out of that game, and for me, <clears throat> I mean it's obviously one of the biggest experiences of my life. Um, I had set myself a goal back in 2011-12 when I had played one or two games in the national team. Then I set myself a goal: I'm going to play 50 games for for Iceland. That's mm. that was my plan, and that uh, and I felt like if I do that, I have been the number one goalkeeper for four or five years, I can be super happy with my career. And that's, that was my goal. And it ended up being my 50th game, uh, the, the Argentina game. So I reached right. that goal at that day. And, you know, it was a unique situation, completely crazy. And and then you have this moment, uh, uh, the penalty, you know, going into a game like that, you have this one in a million fairy tale um, idea of, of like a dream scenario. And you never think it's going to happen, but and you have uh, lots of things have to fall your way for for something like that to happen. But somehow it it, it did, 
and um, it's now the thing that's uh, you know the, the it's not the Eurovision Song Contest video I'm I'm recognized for anymore. Now it's the the Messi Messi penalty, and um, it changed my life uh, this this moment and uh, was uh, probably my best game for for Iceland. It was not just the penalty; everything about that game. I think I was really feeling good. And I had to deal with lots of situations, and I was very happy with with uh, with that game. I mean, you said that as a script for a film, you would turn your nose up at it because it would just be too unbelievable. Do you, do you still feel that way? Yeah, if you just if you just if you just talk through it, I mean, at twenty years old, I was. I was a chubby video nerd making making you know low budget music videos, and I had quit. I had called my coach and said I I I quit. I I'm not playing football anymore. I had had too many obstacles. I almost lost my finger uh, in a scouting location accident uh, shortly before that, and so I I was completely out of it. But then I felt like okay, there's something burning in me. I want to I want to make one last go. Well, let's see where where it's gonna take me. And it took me to the first game Iceland has ever played in the World Cup, like a tiny nation playing against Argentina, playing against Lionel Messi, and then ending up saving a penalty against maybe the best play, football player in in history. Uh, it's yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't buy that that script. <laughs> <laughs> so it's too much. You've you've just retired in in March, um, and now you're. You're, you're fully into uh, you're fully concentrating on your, on your filmmaking you did manage to win the the Icelandic Premier League again with Val before mm-hmm. be, before you stopped but it's been more yeah. difficult for the national team obviously they've had mm-hmm. problems off the pitch I mean does it hurt to see it how it is now and what do you think Iceland can do to get back to a competitive level yeah that's a it's a whole other discussion and um Definitely, um, I mean, I, I retired from the national team during very hard times and uh, completely the opposite to what I was de- describing before when mm. uh, when the harmony and the togetherness was like completely genuine. Um, when I retired, uh, there were difficult times um, off the pitch, as you mentioned, um, and uh, some of our biggest names were, were having problems and... Um, I, I definitely would have chosen things to to you know end in a different way, and for that <laughs> these things would not have been uh, uh, part of everything. I mean, because they 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 put a shadow over the whole thing. But um, you know, the national team and this adventure gave me so much and so many great memories that I, I choose to I choose to not let it ruin my my experience with which was unbelievable so it's quite difficult now if you if you think about football wise i mean we we have a younger generation coming up trying to find their footing um and they're struggling a little bit and i mean it's it's always going to be difficult for iceland to to create a team which is compatible against bigger nations who have who are better on paper um, we need lots of things to to click we need to be better than them at something we used to be like really good at set pieces and really good tactically mm. uh, and then we had this you know we had a few very skillful players who who could 
take us you know to the next level plus we had this team spirit and this untangible thing that you have to have also if you're going to have a good team so when this happens again or if this happens again i don't know i, I think it's going to be very difficult because we had such a good mix such so many elements that worked um but at, at least we have shown that it's possible you know we people are not brought up anymore thinking that we are never going to reach a final competition because we have shown that it is definitely possible. And that's, I, I hope that's going to raise the level and, and you know, uh, make it easier for, for the next generations to, to try to, to be successful. Finally, Hannes, tell us about Cop Secret that's come out, that's had a lot of acclaim internationally. And... I suppose in a way it's a bit like your football career. It started through something small and gradually is built up and up and up into something that's, that's really big. Tell us a bit about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you say, it's many ways in many ways similar. I mean, it was this tiny comedy trailer 10 years ago, which I made with one uh, cameraman and this main actor and it was really cheap and we did it in two days and now and then it became a movie and it was only supposed to be a movie for the Icelandic moviegoers like something fresh for for yeah people in this country and I never expected anyone outside of Iceland to see it but it was made with you know love and and passion and and I think maybe that shines through um so there's something in it that that people seem to connect to and and I, but I'm I was so surprised when we we started getting first phone calls about this movie being accepted to film festivals and and you know that that people seem to like it who are not in Iceland because there are so many local jokes and so many things that I thought you need, would need to be Icelandic to to get but I guess there are more things in it so it's just it's been a, a an adventure as well. Uh, we, we we premiered it in Locarno, which is a huge festival. Um, we were there in a fantastic setting in our nicest suits and being driven between red carpets and uh, photo sessions and uh, press uh, conferences. And we just felt like we were being dumped in this movie star world, which was uh, unbelievable with this tiny Icelandic movie. So, yeah, it's opening some doors and it's been uh, an amazing ride. And... Uh, really is helping me transition from you know reti retiring from football which is always gonna leave a hole with everybody who, who enjoyed playing football it's always gonna be a transition but for me to have this um gives me a lot and you're taking Reykjavik to the world all over again for a second time in a different <laughs> field yeah yeah you can say that um Reykjavik is uh, is looking a bit different than usual uh, this small uh, peaceful city where nobody, the police doesn't carry guns and nobody speaks in one-liners and obviously we don't have any supervillains. Um, it's looking differently in this movie and I, I, I and it's it's a joy that more people outside of Iceland, you know, get the joke. Well, look, thanks so much for your time, Hannes. Um, I wish you all the luck in the world with it. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Football Ramble Presents is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.